Hi, this is Jonathan Starkey, and this is Cheshire Matters, that digital pub where we have digital guests to talk about, well, digital things. And our guests this evening are the usual suspects in this special broadcast of Lockdown Podcast. Here we have Mr. Trevor Nichols. Are you there, Trevor? Good evening, Jonathan. And hello, everybody. Oh, brilliant. Nice to hear your voice, sir. Mr. Stephen Ingram, are you there? Good evening, Jonathan. Yes, I certainly am. And uh, hope everybody's well. And uh, a very good evening to all our friends across Cheshire. That's great. Thank you very much. And to our man with the stats, it is Mr. Mark Hartley. Go. Hello, Mr. Hartley. Good evening, John. And hello to everyone in Cheshire. That's a nice voice. That's a that's a midnight caller voice, that one. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Right. Let's get on. We're now in another lockdown. Gentlemen, what is the view on that? I mean, oh my God. Nobody's allowed to go out, you know. I mean, I was just getting used to certain things. And now all of a sudden, we're back under lockdown. What are your views? What are we going to say? Who are we going to start with? Steve, you tell me what you think. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, whatever people's views are on all of this, I think there's there's two things. First of all, the economic strain on uh, businesses and the country. Um, that's the first point. Um, but in my view, the ultimate priority is people's general well-being. Obviously, we've got the actual issue of this, this virus and, and many other things being affected. And other treatments um, potentially going by the wayside because of this. Um, but uh, there's an issue of mental health and general well-being, in my view, which is going to become a huge issue across the country. And uh, the, the Telegraph, they had an article uh, in November indicating that um, from March um, through to near November, a six-month period, the, uh, the numbers of people seeking mental health assistance roughly tripled compared to the, the previous six months prior to March. And I won't go into all the details of the, the specifics of the figures, but they're very, very shocking across the board. And I think this is just going to continue. Um, I, I'm seeing friends in, in, in work environments and community where I live in, in Chester. Uh, and you can see people change and there's a bit of stress and all kinds of things going on. And, um, it's, it's going to be a huge issue in the long term. So with that in mind, um, excuse the unintended pun there, I'll just mention the, the charity Mind, which is www.minds.org.uk for people who need any uh, seeking advice uh, on how to cope in all of this. And also Cheshire West and Chester Council have got a number for people of all ages to contact the Cheshire and Wirral Partnership NHS if they're concerned about their own mental health and well-being, which is 0800-145-6485. Uh, I think this is a very big issue going forward and has, has got potentially huge ramifications for the nation's general well-being going forward. Um, I'll come back on this a little bit later on when we talk about some positives going forward. I've got a few little ideas and suggestions for people, so I'll, I'll come back on that issue. But that's my main concern uh, nationally and locally at the moment is people's general mental health and their well-being. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, I agree with Steve. I don't think we're quite going to realise what's happening for a while yet. But I think there's been some damage done. I mean, I can speak from experience. I know in the neighbouring borough, 
children under 10 have had no face-to-face counselling for bereavement. I'm guessing it's probably across the board for counselling. That's been since March. And yet these people are still being paid? Well, I presume so. They're all furloughed, aren't they? Well, the news today is that um, the UK has recorded the most COVID deaths in a day since the epidemic started. The fatality count doubles in a week to 1,325, with 68,000 new cases, as SAGE warns that the R rate could be as high as 1.4, and up to 150,000 people could be catching COVID every day. Go ahead, Mark. Well, um, Public Health England's most recent data for this week shows no statistically significant excess or cause mortality deaths in England. Trevor, you come on in there. Yeah, I've uh, my concern over this, Jonathan, is the where we're getting these statistics from. They're all coming from the government, and uh, there was a debate earlier on uh, in the week. I've just seen it on a video of the day with the talk news, uh, the talk radio lady, uh, Mrs. Brewer, Miss Brewer. She had a great debate about where the actual statistics come from, and again, there are, uh, as Mark says, what what's been happening lately. What I've noticed on there when it started last March, we had. Uh, the, the the actual note that was up there was COVID deaths. Now, they changed that this year. They've changed it to, if you look at it now, it's COVID-related deaths. That's a very subtle change. Yeah. Now, I've noticed that with all these these um, uh, these, these conferences I keep having every day, uh, updates. Now, that, that covers a multitude of, of illnesses. So, mm. basically, it's anybody... Who, who actually goes into hospital without COVID and actually contracts it, contacts it in, in hospital, Yeah, that then becomes a COVID-related death. Now, we, we you know, we have to either trust the government or we don't. And I'm, I'm sorry, I just don't... Well, hey... Any, as, any figures to come out with. As we've discussed in previous podcasts, trust, and especially, I can tell you now, for honestly, my trust is, is wearing a bit thin, especially with the amount of money that has been wasted on the test and trace, the vaccines. I mean, so much money, so much money. And there's so many rumors of um, cronyism where friends, friends of people within government have been made multimillionaires. It's, it's too much. It's too much. So I don't know about, about the trust. I mean, yes, but you have to take, you have to take your information from where you can get it. And what's out there? I think the journalists are doing quite a good job at the moment because if you if you read all papers from different segments of the society who represent different segments and political views of society, you basically get an answer as to what's going on. And I don't think there's any paper which is actually really showing any trust. Steve, come on in there. Any trust in the government, that is. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of get the point you're making there to some degree, but I have to uh, make, make a point, if you like, which is a personal opinion. Um, I'm, I'm seeing some people on the uh, news programmes, and I have to say I'm finding them quite draining. It's almost as though they're looking deliberately for negativity. In fact, some of these people are so negative, if you put them in a dark room long enough, they might even develop. I find them tiring because, to be quite honest with you, they're draining. They're not looking out for positives, and this endless sea of 
negativity. I mean, I've had people say to me recently in the past couple of weeks that all people are hearing is coronavirus from morning, noon and night on mm-hmm. every media platform going. Well, if you remember, it used to be Brexit morning, noon and night. <laughs> yes. I don't know who those people were, but yeah, we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but in, you know, just staying with this for a minute, it's quite draining for people to have this repet. I've never known a situation in such a short period of time where there has been constant messaging towards people on a given issue. And this has to be, and in my view, it is having an effect on people. And I don't really like the tone of some of the questioning questioning on some of the media channels at all. It's it's too aggressive. It's too negative. And uh, we, we need to be giving people some hope and positive as you go forward. I know. I know. But I mean, back me up here, peoples. Tell me, is there anything wrong with questioning in a constructive way about things that are going on, especially when it's been revealed by people like the Good Law Project, who are showing that, you know, there is cronyism going on? So, oh, yes. You know, there yes, is absolutely. those, and a lot of money has been wasted. I mean, here's a funny for you, right? Jonathan Van Tam, you know, who comes on. He went out for a curry on the same day that Boris Johnson told Londoners to avoid restaurants due to the COVID risk. And then they tried to explain it away. Now, you can't avoid people asking questions or making observations like that. Because if the prime minister's saying, stay away from restaurants, and then one of your main advisors actually goes out and has a curry and then charges it back, to the public purse, you know, for doing it. Okay, they may be working very hard. You don't know what the situation is, but it just, it just looks a little bit, it looks a little bit silly, really, if you're not following, you know, the advice that the prime minister gives. I mean, as far as I'm can see at the moment. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Trevor. I'll bring you in. Go ahead. Thanks, Jonathan. Yeah, I'm just following what, what Steve said there. Uh, and again, I, I personally, I find it hard to find any positivity in, um, in, in, in with this government. Because I'm, I'm actually considering opening a book to see to see who's actually going to get caught next. Somebody in my office, you know, who's going to get caught breaking the rules because they just seem to to have this belief amongst themselves that they are just that the, the law doesn't affect them. They're above the law, and it's only a matter of time. I mean, you've just stated it there. I wasn't aware of that, you know. But yeah, uh, yeah. it's already happened. I've not even opened my book yet. And they're only just now thinking, Dishy Rishi, our great guy, is only now just thinking of getting the plans together for a scheme to help a million small business owners, and including also the people in the limited companies that were caught out that couldn't actually claim any loans or furlough money. He's, he's supposedly coming up with something. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll wait to see it before I can comment on it, but I want to bring Mark in there. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, I'm just wondering, this new lockdown, this latest one, does this apply to politicians and the media, or are they immune again? Um, I think that they are immune. Mm, seeing the police police having a cup of coffee today, and that will look quite relaxed. Um, well, until someone started filming them, and then uh, got yeah. awkward. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think the police are starting to get a little bit more um, edgy, and a little more, a little more intrusive 
during this lockdown period because there's all sorts of stories going out where they're, they're stopping people. Like, for example, two people, two ladies going out for a walk in the park and they both had a cup of tea and that was considered a picnic and they were given fines. I mean, what the hell is all that about? Come on back in again, Mark. Go ahead. Yeah, just quickly, it's not just on the street. I've seen them busting doors down, mate, because there may or may not be more people than someone thinks should be in that property. I just, I, I find the whole thing baffling. I've never known it in my lifetime, and I've never known how or the reasons why they are taking this, this um, COVID-19 seriously. But then there's another story that came out that said that the vaccines might not be able to cover the variant. So we've got all these millions of doses of vaccine coming in for COVID-19 and the variant. The, there isn't a vaccine for that yet. Is that the variant that they were so worried about? It's took them since September to do anything about it. That's Not the one. one. That's no, the one, which is a, you know, a great point to be made. Mm. I, I know now that if they're going to continue along in this fashion, then they're going to have to do something. They're going to have to consider something like universal basic income. They're going to have to consider it and because they cannot put all these businesses and especially the small businesses out of business without actually doing something for the people involved in them. Come on in, Steve. Yeah, we, we've all of us mentioned this issue of universal basic income a few times on and off over the past few weeks. And in reality, uh, purely based on logic, this is the only way forward, mm. to be quite honest, where everybody has their needs met at a basic level. Yeah. And if anybody is then therefore carrying out additional duties of emergency need or fulfilling roles that have to be delivered and things like that, they're obviously going to sort of benefit over and above that. But we have to have some kind of parity where there's there isn't huge swathes of the population falling through uh, bureaucratic gaps in this process of support to the population during the course of all this. The other thing I'd like to mention in relation to this is I've got a huge concern, actually, for the kids, young kids who go to school normally, oh, and then they're going to school, then they're not going to school, then some of them are going to school, and some of them are not, and there are all sorts of confusions over that. And, you know, we cast our minds back to when we were growing up. We would either be on holiday from school or after school, we would simply go out and play with our mates and play football or whatever. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I tried to think um, during the past near 12 months, the effect on the kids of this country. The education. In yeah. yeah, not well, yeah, obviously you've got the, the issue of education, but in terms of them as young people, just wondering what on earth is going on. Yeah. And being able to make any sense of this. Now, it's difficult for most of the adult population to sort of get their heads around the fact that extensive civil, civil liberties, which we all enjoy, have been heavily curtailed because of this. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of people got lots of different views on all of that. But try and put yourselves in, in the place of uh, young kids who are of school age and you know whatever school age they are trying to make any sense of what's going on it's it's just ludicrous to it's me. definitely got... it's definitely going to have an effect on them can i bring mark in there because he's got something to comment on that as well go ahead mark 
Yeah, just a quick point about what Steve was saying. Yeah, I've got an eight-year-old who asked me why he went into school for one day and now he can't go back into school and who made the decision. And I told him the government and the look on his face just explained it all. I mean... How do I, how do I explain? These are the people who are meant to be making things better and I can't explain this stuff to him. That it's not, it, it's not helping. I, I mean, I know that um, it's caught the schools unaware and they're having to catch up very, very quickly you know, especially with the online lessons, and they're not quite getting on top of it. I know that um, my own son, who goes to Tepchek, Dalesmere Port um, Church of England College, they've been caught unawares. It took them very, very quickly, and they weren't expecting you know, what was to happen, supposedly. Now, I don't know that. Uh, full, I don't know the full story. But he's supposed to be up for school and to be able to study online but yet he's not receiving any communications the night before, you know, for his inbox in the morning to know when and how he's supposed to be dealing with certain things. Go ahead, Mark. I can't believe nobody saw that coming. Well, You're telling me the, the rise in positive cases, so they say, and it's way more apparently the last time, obviously, because testing's better this time. No school saw this coming, no, and didn't learn the lessons from the last time. I just, I can't accept that, sorry. Yeah, well... This is a this is a thing. Well, they're they're happy in one way because some people are quite happy to do their studying online. Online is not a brand new thing. I mean, you know, the BBC used to run programs for the Open University, and that was a form of online programming. Okay, so that you know the online study. I'm sorry, and that went on for a long time, and it's still going on. And I'm not sure the reason why we didn't actually pick up on that and build on it so that if anything did come about, we'd be ready for it. I mean, what do you think about that, Mark? There's problems with online learning, and I'm experiencing some of them, um, and so are some other families. Uh, apparently, there's 1.8 laptops or iPads, whatever needed for children who can't afford them. So that'll be a easy and cheap venture to sort out in the next few weeks. Yeah, And then what we've realized is there's some parents who haven't got the data. So now the, the certain phone companies trying to give free data, but it's not the big two or three. It's the smaller ones. So it's not really helping people. I, I mean, I just think in a time like this, paper, pens, uh, you can't really go wrong, can you? No, you, you, you're quite right on that. You know, but there, there are other, there are alternatives to paper and pen which actually do work. In there, and they are good, and I've used them. I've used them myself. But you're right; you can't go wrong with pen and paper, and especially with a face-to-face. You know, because oh, you there's... can see expressions. You can you can tell by demeanor whether somebody is getting something or not. I you know I understand all of that. Yeah, go ahead. There's some great online learning tools and, and and things, but if the kids at home and parents got four four children how are they meant to put the time into there's some parents who can't help the children physically just can't mm-hmm. there's some who it, it really aren't up to the job of helping them i have to admit I, mark and there's I, no teacher there talking to them on anything i have to admit you know that my, schools. my mm-hmm. son is doing mathematics in um physics and his maths which goes way beyond me right now you know, and he looks at me and he says to me, do you know anything about these formulas? And I look at him and I think, um, <laughs> it looks like a drunken fly has fallen into an ink pot and crawled across your page. 
you know, because it it is way beyond, way beyond, you know, what I was doing at school. Go ahead, Mark. I'm quite lucky then, because this is key stage too. <laughs> Do that with my eyes closed. <laughs> that's that's but a, some people can't, and this yeah. this is me worry. Mm. Anyway, Again, go on, Steve. You wanted to come in. Yeah, you wanted to come in. Come on in. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, it's like a delayed reaction there. I'll try. Well, I was just making some notes for a little bit later on. Hey, wait a minute. Um, Keep your digital distance. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will. Not in um, terms of time. <laughs> I just think uh, I'm trying to keep a little bit of uh, positivity going and everything. And I think for those who are able to, it's an opportunity to spend a bit more time with the kids and try and teach them what they can in other areas if they can't deal with certain things. So, you know, we, we can all get back to some some basics and take some ownership about what's going on to a, to a point. And then look for ways to fill the gaps where we we, we can't sort of um, uh, to deliver the educational needs and things like that. And that has to be a focus of getting that sorted. Um, for me, I, I think there's got to be a realization. As much as this may sound uncomfortable to say it, let alone even think it, which is, I think, as a nation now, individually and collectively, as a people, as a, a people of this country. We've now got to start taking control of the situation for ourselves in terms of fulfilling our own needs, our family's needs, and the needs of people around us in a community. Because let's face it, whether we agree with this situation or not, or how it's being handled or not, is now becoming to some degree irrelevant. And because it's just going on and on, and it seems to be rumbling on, and it, in my view, it's going to continue for quite some time. Yes. Now, well, there are some people mind, saying that they don't think that we're going to, uh, we don't think we're going to be coming out of a lockdown in in March. We don't think we're going to be coming out of a lockdown in June. They think this is going to go on to the end of the summer, or even the end of this year. I'm hearing some people speak. You know. Um, what? You know what is it? I mean, if you want to try and be positive about that, there are people going out of business. There are people who are suffering financially. And loans are not the answer. Loans are definitely not the answer. Come on in, Mark. Yeah, viruses come in seasons. So I think, well, I'm not going to make a wild prediction, but we, we should get out of this and then probably end up back in it again. Yeah, but why? Why is it? Why is I don't know. And especially when there were there were certain YouTube videos that went out by let's call them lockdown auditors who went out to go check, you know, whether these big hospitals that were built at great cost were being utilized. And they were empty. And they had a capacity of, I believe, for four thousand beds. And they actually filmed them empty. And now they're saying that London is being overrun. Our, our man in London, you know, our mayor, you know, that great guy that everybody loves, he's now saying that it's, it's, it's at terrible, terrible emergency levels in London. But what are they going to do? Are they going to fill that hospital up again? Are they going to put the equipment back? Because there was no equipment in it. What do you do? Go ahead, Mark. Okay, well, we discussed um, COVID 
in my previous podcast. And uh, I mentioned that in Cheshire, we'd have um, the ability to send people to Manchester if needed. Yeah. Um, the chief exec of the NHS, I can't believe on Wednesday, she only found out that the Nightingale was actually operational. And she's contacted them, and apparently that's not the case anymore. And Cheshire people have been refused, and it's only for Manchester. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's hmm, that's interesting. Steve, you want to come in? Go ahead. Yes, uh, I think there is only going to be one answer, and we, we've mentioned this earlier. There has to be a situation at some point. So you're talking about businesses going uh, under, whether, mm-hmm. you know, small businesses. And we can't have this en masse across the country because we will be a sea of corporate businesses and nothing else oh god they'll just sweep up everything yeah that yeah that's right and that's not good for the country we need a mix yeah most of the economy in this country is actually derived from the small businesses yeah and self-employed yeah that's where most of the economy comes from and we, we can't have all of these people just being swept aside ignored and not looked after in the proper manner um for me what what's come to light in all of this, in my mind, is this. And I am very passionate, like all of us, about this country. We think it's a great place, and I, I still do. But I think what this has highlighted to me is something which is a failing in this country. Now, we're talking about a particular situation, in this, in this case, coronavirus. But let's put it another way. Let's say, for instance, we had any other kind of crisis. We've got all of these NGOs, these quangos, lots of government bodies and trusts and organisations all over the country, and it seems to be one big permanent committee meeting everywhere. And I don't understand why we have not got a situation in this country whereby every town, and I'm going to actually email Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, with this proposal. And it's this. Every town and city should have a situation where it's got a place where everything is organised. You could call it... um, It's something based on the old home guard, if you like, Mm -hmm. right? And you could call it the community volunteer reserves. You could call it anything you like, something like that. And you have uh, in every town and city across the country, and the organization in that area would be proportionate in size to the population. And you have a place which is stocked with various things in case of emergencies. You have all of the necessary people to act as communicators and volunteers who are already pre-vetted, right? That's already done. And you are able to deal with a national crisis from John O'Groats to Land's End by having a system in place that can deal with a given situation. Now, I know we're talking about a virus here, that's different. But we're having to rally round and put calls out for volunteers halfway through this situation to go and look after people and check up on people. Then they have to be vetted. In other words, we should have an infrastructure in place to deal with national emergencies. And then on top of that, 
as well as the, the, the mechanical setup and the infrastructure, we should have the financial infrastructure in place to be able to deal with a situation like this if it arises again. We've been so ill-prepared for a national crisis in this. Mm-hmm. I find it shocking yeah. for the country that it's one of, I think it's the fifth or the sixth most successful economy in the world. And I find this, given the fact that we've got a history of successful parliamentary process and lots of other fabulous things in this country, that we are so ill-prepared for our own needs. We, we help so many countries, and I've done all around the world for hundreds of years, and yet we've got this. And we've, we're seeing people from all over the country struggle in many different ways. I'm finding it shocking. We've not got a national infrastructure in place. That's because there's too many, there's too many self-interests. You know, because, um, you know, in this country, uh, as we've discussed before, there are too many rent seekers. There are too many middlemen, you know, that are actually, you know, um, as, you, as you said in a story before, you know, you, could, you, can, you can have 10 people watching one person do the work and you wonder what those 10 people are supposed to be doing. You know, I, 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 find, it, I find it incredible. But the other thing that's going to happen is, is that if we don't watch it, the corporates are going to start sweeping out all of the small businesses and then everybody will just be for hire. It's as simple as that. And the, we will be at the behest of the corporates in this country. And it's a massive problem, a massive problem that I see coming up. I can see it within the music industry. I can see why people are cashing in their royalties. I can see, you know, to, um, you know, to sell out, you know, to these um, hedge funds and to investors. I can see exactly what's going on. I can see that the music industry, I don't think it's going to be able to come back in the way that everybody originally saw it. It's going to be very difficult for them, very difficult. I mean, why are the musicians, you know, the ones that can't go out and do live performances, why are they selling messages online to kids? They're selling personalized messages. You know, pop stars. They're selling personalized messages, you know, and for anything up to two and a half thousand pounds a pop. Go ahead, Mark. Come on in. Yeah, and like Steve said, I wonder why we're not. Why, why weren't we more stuttering there? Why aren't we more prepared for things like this? I mean, Bill Gates and Co. have been working on this for years, haven't they? What? Um, they've been working on COVID? Well, they've been expecting it coming, haven't they? They've been saying it for years. They've been working on the responses to, to pandemics, and it just seems like they haven't been working hard enough, to be honest. Yeah, this is I mean, they've got a vaccine out quickly, but... There's definitely something wrong. I mean, so I heard something the other day and someone said, well, you, oh, you can, oh, you can excuse Boris, you know, it caught him unawares. Rubbish. Yeah. When he told us to wash our hands, and I think it was Mar- early March, right, it was already go- flying around other countries and, they, and the people were dying. And he knew it was coming. Yeah. And he told us to wash our hands. And his little friend said, the science is, wash your hands with his sarcastic face. A week later, they're telling us to lock down. He knew it was coming. Yeah. And I'll be honest, he'd done nothing. Yeah. No, I get it. Trevor, you want to come in there? Go ahead. Yeah, I do, actually. Um, Good point, Mark. Good point. Go ahead, Trevor. Yeah, it is a good point. It's a very good point. That's why I just want to bring this up as well. Uh, I'm going back to my favourite subject, the great mass debate. Um, (laughs) I'm just absolutely frustrated. I'm frustrated. Why why are the people that are in a position to ask these questions, i.e. the journalists or whoever get the, the chance to ask at these um, forums that they have. Why aren't they asking what use are the masks? Why is that question not being asked? Yeah. 
Amen. What use are the masks? Because since July, again, I say from the 24th of July, since it became mandatory, the figures have gone through the roofs. And the only comments I get by the uh, the people that, that wish to discuss it are as, that it would be twice as bad if we didn't wear a mask. Well, what a load of rubbish. What an absolute load of rubbish. Can I bring Steve in on that? He wants to pass comments. Yeah, comment. certainly. Yeah, yeah. I've noticed quite a few um, interesting situations with people with masks uh, generally, so I'm glad you brought this up, Tanner. I'll give you a quick example. Myself and Elaine, we went for a walk last weekend. I think it was Sunday. And uh, there's, there's a place in Chester where you go down the old Duke's Drive. It's a, it's a walk down to a wooded area. And we went there. And, oh, I... um, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Sorry. Trevor knows she that wooded area. It's, it's secluded, isn't it? <laughs> Trevor knows that area. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And um, anyway, she took me down this rather secluded route off there. And uh, anyway, we were walking through this place and there was hardly anybody about. And um, all of a sudden, uh, approaching us, there was two people, another couple, and we're out in the open air. It was quite, it was a bit sunny, it was brisk, and they were wearing masks in the open air. Now, they weren't within 30 feet of us and there was nobody else around. And they were walking in the open air, sunshine, a little bit brisk, crispy. And I'm thinking, why are you wearing masks in the open, fresh air? Yeah, yeah. I just don't get that. No. Go ahead, Mark. Uh, I showed Trevor the other day. We, there's a study from 2018 that explains if you wear a mask for longer than two hours, you are, it causes serious uh, bacterial problems. And it even recommends surgeons wear two, and then two hours they've got to go. Um, like and, and the recent Danish study where they studied 6,000 people half with masks, half without this was during COVID yeah. uh, 1.8% of the people who uh, wore the masks caught COVID and 2.1% of the people who didn't caught it, so there again that backs up all the other studies with no benefits during pandemics that's why exactly. and why is this not being asked, why is it not being questioned well, why why they tell tell you not to wear them now? Telling you to wear them, knowing people are going to they're not going to use them correctly, and it's going to cause problems. And that's why Mark is our stats man because he comes up with those figures. He comes mm. up with I, those figures. Trevor, go ahead. I've just got a little more food for thought here. I know when, when we say, "Well, Boris should have known about it. He should have done this, and he should have done that." I don't think they've handled it well at all. I really don't. That's just my personal opinion. I'm not. I don't really go on the politics side of it, political side of it. But they've just not handled it well. But my food for thought tonight and debate is: I wonder how the Labour Party would have handled it if they'd have been elected. <laughs> I dread to think. Well, well, you know, uh, there was you know, a little thing there. Mr. Farage was trying to court Mr. Tony Blair. Yes, you know, by saying that you know he had a Tony Blair had a great idea. I mean, of um, spreading the vaccine, you know, so that all the all the single doses were spread out further rather than keeping the second dose, you know, for the same people. So, mm, strange things happening out there. Maybe there's some mental fatigue uh, taking uh, taking a, a toll on certain people that we know very well. Go ahead, Trev. I totally agree with you on that one. I just cannot. See Tony Bear and Farage in the same bed. I no. just do not understand that. No, that just and 
we, we, anyway, so we can forget. We can just forget the, the vaccines. We can forget everything, actually. The mask and everything. Nigel's on this case. He's actually he's launched the Reform Party yesterday after a year. Oh. We've been waiting a year, and he's finally got it through. Wow. So he's coming back on his horse, and he's saving the country again. We are the Knights of Knee. <laughs> a wiggle. Knee. And I, and I hope he doesn't get chaffed like he was last time. And the Black Knight comes along, Nigel, <laughs> loses an arm, you know, and then they say, come on, come on. <laughs> if everybody remembers that, uh, he's got no chance. That's what I'm saying to you. He's got no chance. As it is, I mean, yes, I, we all agree. One of the greatest minds, one of the greatest orators. I mean, because if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have got Brexit. And I agree with that. You know, I, I agree. agree. I agree. Now, Brexit's out of the way. Let's just leave it now. Let's, you know, move on, move on. Go on, Trev. You were going to comment further? Yeah, I mean, nobody's more amazed than me. But apparently, he's gone straight into the charts. Between four and six percent, he's gone straight into the uh, the polls. Oh yes, between four and six percent. Oh my word! Well, I don't know who's who's doing those polls, but uh, I'm sure that Mark will probably find out. Go ahead, Mark. What's what's your um, comment? Go why ahead. Why does anyone listen to polls anymore? I don't know. Are they, are they ever right? There's a very small Sorry. selection that I'll ever write. It's racist if we don't. Yeah, yeah. It's racist and xenophobic if we don't listen to polls. Yeah, and Hungarians. Yeah, Slovenians. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let, let's let's look at let's move on. I mean, Trump. The three biggest things last year for us, anyway, was was Brexit and the pandemic. Okay, and now Brexit's out of the way. It's the pandemic and Trump. What's going to happen there? I mean, that is a story that's unfolding. He now says that he's not going to attend the inauguration of Mr. Biden. How about that? Who wants to comment on that? Everybody goes silent. Go on, Trev. Well, there's a surprise. I am shocked. You just educated me. I haven't heard that today. I've been a bit, uh, been a bit way late today. There's a lot going on. Uh, so I've missed most of the news. I must say, as regards Trump, Myself, I mean, I, I know he's, I know he's got a way of putting it across strangely. Yeah, yeah. Um, in regards to other presidents, but you know, he's increased the employment in America by a, a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's he's not created any wars. He's no. actually, he's gone against. Any, he's uh, done some pretty. He's done some pretty special things. You know, during his time. You know, in, I think yes. You know, I think yes. I think you're going to start. I think, you, I think you're going to also start to see um, some things come out about Biden as soon as he's as soon as he's president, and then there'll be things coming out. I mean, if I were Trump, uh, there was a rumor that he's going to pardon himself and all his family before he leaves. And if I were him, I, I'd do that as well. <laughs> you know? Certainly. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, because there's been so much to go on. Go on, Trev. There's so much flying around at the moment about um, uh, Hunter Biden. Oh yeah, there is so much flying around at the minute about him that he's he's going, to, he's definitely going to damage the presidency. I mean, if 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 Biden senior needs that anyway, mm -hmm. because 
I personally think, I mean, because it, it doesn't seem a full mind. No. I don't mean to be critical of him there, but I'm just trying to point out something uh, uh, that I've noticed. But it doesn't seem a full mind. He's continually making errors. I personally think he will stand down within six to 12 months. Have you seen have you seen the the memes that have been coming out you know about oh, yeah. I mean everything that's going on I mean I saw one meme right it was a picture of Kim Jong Un and he was turning around and he's saying I'm not the only mad dictator <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about Trump <laughs> absolutely cracked me up um, who wanted to come in on that was it you Steve no, you didn't have your hand up. Oh, so you didn't want to come. He doesn't want to talk about it. Oh, have you noticed, right? And here's one thing for everybody to know. Have you noticed how they're all dumping on Trump now, now that they know that's oh. it? Boris has dumped on him, just said, you know, he shouldn't have encouraged those people to go take, you know, the the building like they did. But I, I don't know. I can't. I can't say, you know. I, I mean, the, the other uh, thing is, is that they told him for legal reasons to make that statement that he did. Go ahead, Mark. If you think about it hard enough, you'll understand, I think, what was going through the heads of some of the people who did what they did in Washington. Yeah, because the, the question is, you know, what if there was voter fraud and it's just not being allowed to, it's not given any oxygen, it's not being allowed to surface? It's not just voter fraud, though, is it? No, it's a, there are a lot of other things involved in in it as well but would it have made any real difference to the overall outcome of the election that's the question that you need to to be able to tell so there's two points of view you can look at it and say well there's a fundamental problem there because it can only get worse if it is being done and if it can be done it will be done or when you actually add up all the figures would it have made any massive difference to the overall vote for these votes that were supposedly, you know, according uh, according to the allegations made by Donald or the Donald, that this fraud took place. So, I don't know. Anyway, Trevor, go ahead. Yeah, just bringing up a point about um, <coughs> something I've seen the other night, an interview with uh, with old McDonald, um, John McDonald, sorry, as he's known as, uh, from the Labour Party. He, he, he come on and he made this comment about uh, how, how this is bringing down democracy. The, the, these people storming um, Congress. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, these hypocritical buffoons have a very short memory. I mean, there is nothing worse than his group of momentum, which are linked to the Labour Party, and mm -hmm. also Antifa, yeah. which people keep saying to me. Antifa. Antifa, actually. Antifa. Antifa. Antifa uh, that's sorry. it. They're also they're American. Well, the you have a camera. Well, the name of it was now, but they formed they formed groups with um. Oh, it's hope not hate. Sorry, hope not hate. They formed up with um with momentum, and become this group that went around. I've seen it. I've actually seen these people in action, and they walk in with they're covering the faces continually. They've got balaclavas on, and they stop democratic meetings. Yeah, they campaign outside. They they break into the the areas where the the meetings are going on to close the meetings down, and this hypocritical fool is condemning 
the collapse of democracy. The bloke's an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, I just want to add uh, a couple of points in relation to what Trevor is saying and what yourself was saying. First of all, in relation to uh, the, the election in America, if there was voter fraud, then that that is a problem, irrespective of whether it was widespread to have affected the situation as a whole or not. And the reason I say that is this. Unless elections in America or anywhere else, whether they're national or local, whatever they are, are wholly secure, then they're not fit for purpose. And here is the danger, because any election is not secure with its result as being true and correct, then the danger lies in those, whoever they are, whichever political spectrum they belong to, if they have a desire, an extreme desire to pursue a particular political goal, to the extent they are prepared to obtain it by any means whatsoever, it gives an indication that their desired goal is actually quite dangerous if it's to be done by any means. And in my view, I think it's time, I don't know what the processes are in uh, America in relation to voting security, but I certainly think here we should have a complete review of elections here, whereby twofold um, the solution should be. Firstly, we should have an ID system uh, of some degree, whether it's photo ID, whatever it is. And secondly, as much as I am a libertarian, I believe in free choice, I believe that if we have a society based on democracy and liberty, and we want to protect that, there's one thing we should all be encouraged or asked to do, which is to vote. And it should be, in my view, mandatory. Now, you, you would think that's a contradiction in terms that somebody who believes in liberty would want something made mandatory. Now, the reason I say that is this, because I believe that as human beings, all equal, that we have a duty to protect our freedom, our democracy, and our rights. And I believe we have a duty to each other to do that. And on that basis, I think voting should be mandatory and it should be secure. And it should be mandatory purely on the basis to prevent any political spectrum, whether it's right or left or whatever, that has an extreme agenda to obtain the reins of government by any means, it should be in place to prevent that happening. And if people don't want to vote, I believe they should turn up and be expected to turn up and simply write, if they don't support any of the political parties, simply write none of the above. And I think we should have secure elections because what we're seeing in America is frustrations pent up and built yeah, because, up because of that. Because you only have... You know, the only other option that you've got is to spoil your paper. All right, go ahead, Mark. Yes. Go ahead. 
I think what we also need is um, some kind of redress and remedy for when the likes of your constitution is literally ignored and then voting doesn't work. Yeah. What option? What option? Because this is what's going through. This is what I was hinting at before. This is probably what's going through the mind of some of the people who did what he did in, in Washington. Yeah. When voting fails, and then, I mean, I could sit here for ages going through all the stuff that they've been called and what's happened to Trump and his supporters for the last four years. Yeah, yeah. You've yeah. got all that as well. And when your constitution is ignored, which it has been in that country, they literally changed laws the day before the election unconstitutionally. Mm-hmm. As you say, the courts aren't interested. They don't want to listen to any of this. Yeah. And then you're told, and then you're told once your president leaves, you're all being targeted, basically being rounded up, wiped off the internet your jobs, et cetera, you know, your reputations. Yeah. What have you got left? What options? Not a lot. Well, I'm going to exactly. start. I'm going to start. Go ahead, Trevor. I'll, I'll, I'm going to start wrapping up, but I'll, I'll leave you with the final comments on this subject, Trevor. Yeah, ahead. okay. It's, just, it's a bit of a controversial statement, uh, but I can live by that. Biggest fraud in this country yeah. is postal voting. Yeah. Postal voting should go back to what it was brought in for. People that are infirm and can't get to the voting uh, figures, That's right. uh, stations, or people that basically are working out of town, in the armed forces, etc. They should be taken back and limited 100% to what it was designed for. Yeah. Now, the Labour Party, now, I'm sure they brought it in. Or if, if they haven't brought it in, they've definitely exaggerated it to the state that we're in at the moment. Mm-hmm. This country's in a mess. And the only fraud that is being done, and I've, again, I've seen it on an election basis, is postal voting, yeah. and it should be stopped. Yeah, okay, I get it. Well, I'm going to start wrapping those things up now. Um, I'm going to start asking people for their positives, and we're going to start off with Steve on a positive first. Go on, Steve. What's your positive? Yeah, okay. Uh, I've kind of focused on uh, people's general uh, mental health and and well-being and struggling to get through all of this. So uh, I'm just going to offer a few little points, if I may. I'll be very quick. Uh, Firstly, Cheshire Western Chester Council, um, on some of their social media pages at the the outset of this um, uh, coronavirus situation, we're asking people to sort of comment and submit things, and I did. I suggested a couple of little things, one of which um, I was asked to email into the council, which I did, if I remember correctly. Um, and all it is, um, people, first of all, who uh, do have uh, an ongoing situation with mental health, when you get something like this, one of the biggest things that sort of unsettles people and can sort of send them off down into a very negative place is uncertainty, and that's the big issue. So I simply suggested that people put together a, a weekly planner, uh, list all the days of the week, and I'll, I'll quickly surmise this. And to people out there who are struggling, I would suggest, first of all, make sure you've got some emergency contact numbers for organisations to get a hold of if you need to. Secondly, make sure you've got some people, friends and family you can contact if, if you need to on a regular basis to say hello or, or pick something up there. And I would quickly suggest the following uh, for people. First of all, on a daily basis, make sure you're doing something for your physical fitness. Make sure you're doing something to uh, maintain a healthy nutrition and, and diet 
for your, your, your health. Also, some kind of mental stimulation, read, or some kind of activity. Take opportunity while it's like it is to take up a new hobby and things like that. Uh, give an example. There's a, there's a Facebook page in Chester called, I'm going to mention these people, called Chester Life. And it's it's got quite a huge following, actually. It's for people who like Chester. And they go online and they submit photographs about all around the place, the buildings and the places and, and Chester Life and, and what's going on and things like that. And that's quite a nice thing. So it's all about taking opportunity to do things to keep yourself physically and mentally active and engaged with what's going on and keep in contact with people. So okay. find ways to, right. to do that. So I'll okay. leave you with that. Okay. okay. I don't think I don't think um, any of the others are going to be. <laughs> I think they're going to be a lot quicker. What's your positive, Trev? Well, I'll just listen to Steve there. Good point, sir, Steve. Now, anybody basically not too well at the moment, just remember it's a new year. Yeah. Try not to try to feel good, feel positive, and don't take in all that you hear in the media because that will just drag you down. Oh, yeah. Try definitely. to get yourself out, go for a short walk if you can manage a short walk, plenty of fresh air, keep positive. Yeah. Mark, what's yours? Well, apparently, according to the NHS, uh, the Countess have vaccinated 8,000 frontline care home and NHS staff, and they reckon within a few weeks all hospital staff should be vaccinated. What, is this what, in, in the country? No, in, in the Countess of Chester. In the Countess of Chester. Oh, right, okay, yeah. sorry. Well, my positive is, is that you get to focus in again on the things that you really want out of life because you get more time to think about it. You know, because you are going to get that time to think about it and to really sort of reassess things. And as I agree with what everybody was saying there, don't let all the press and the mainstream media get you down because they just want to sell papers. They just want you to watch their program. They just want you to go on their website and click. Try to be, try to be positive what's going on. And one of the things that I was happy about was guess who got the most complaints at the BBC over Christmas? Go on. Don't know, don't watch it. Andrew Marr. <laughs> She's still going, is it? Yeah, Andrew Marr. Well, hey, you know, um, this is it. This is it for now. All right. This was the oh wait a minute, wait a minute. He's tapping his pen. What do you want, Steve? Well, I think you're reporting on the complaints and who had the most complaints is a little flawed. Oh yes. And the reason is Oh yeah. Okay, thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> we don't actually have a complaint. Can anybody mute that guy? Can anybody What's mute he him? Is he, is he saying something? Yeah, he's saying something. Yeah. I don't know what it is he's saying. Um, right. Just what I want him to say is to say good night. Say good night, Steve. I'm phoning Mrs. Starkey. <laughs> I'm going to make a complaint. Yeah, and that's going in that digital well. <laughs> That's it. It's going in the digital well, and we'll see what happens over the year. You can you can hope on that one, kiddo. I'm, you can hope, right? Trevor, say good night, sir. Good night, everybody. All and right. Keep well. Uh, Mark. Good night. Okay, and that's me. This was Cheshire Matters, the digital pub, having a digital conversation with these digital men, We're keeping our digital distance. You know. Anyway, all right. We'll see you again next week. Bye for now. Good night. Bye. Ha <laughs> ha.